Father, I just pray, Lord, right now that we have eyes to see, ears to hear, and that we mix what we hear with faith. And uh, we just thank you for everything you're doing already. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. And we pray an anointing and a blessing on you, Elaine, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. It seems that I've caught a cold just in time. But one good thing about a cold when you have to do public speaking like this is that I can hopefully claim the same statement that Paul made. I, I didn't come to you with eloquent words or speech, but with a demonstration of the power of God. <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> I'm not crafty enough to come up with a really neat segue um, into today's message. But one thing that did strike me as we began our time together that I thought was just precious and I think might work to get us into the word today. And that is, you know, when when Bud forgot to tell us to sit down and when Ev and her friend, they forgot to light the, the Advent candle, it occurred to me that it is totally okay to not get it right all the time, <laughs> right? It's okay to not be perfect. It's okay to simply be who we are and to try. And I think that's a good segue in today's message because I really feel like the Holy Spirit wants to inspire us to just try. Thank you. So Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship created anew in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And that is such good news. I think it's easy to gloss over that verse because we've heard that before and before. But I think there's so much to pull out of that verse. See, the purpose of our good works is because we are ambassadors of an incredible kingdom. And the king is making his appeal to the world through you and me. Imperfect people, just like you and me. But he has given us his spirit to do amazing things. And all we need to do is to obey the Holy Spirit's nudges and just give it a try and see what happens. That perhaps those good works that we were created to do and those good works which were prepared in advance for us to do, that maybe those little nudges that we feel, maybe that's the Holy Spirit going right there, right there. That's one. That's a good work created in advance for you to do. And we are filled with a third person of the Trinity, with the same power that rose Jesus from the grave. And we can go do whatever it is that we are being nudged to do. And we can do it imperfectly because we have a perfect power within us. And we can expect miracles. Isn't that good news? That we, were, we are God's workmanship, created anew in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, when Jesus came, his greatest priority was to please his Father, 
And he knew what pleased his father. His father would be so pleased if every human being on the face of this earth, whoever was and whoever will, has the opportunity to enjoy the relationship that God designed for man and himself. Jesus knew that that would please the Father. Jesus knew that Satan came to ruin this, right? But Jesus came to undo the works of the enemy. That's the family business. And we are created in Christ Jesus anew to carry on the family business. We have been commissioned to bring the kingdom of God to Manchester. We are commissioned to bring the kingdom of God everywhere we set our feet. And we know it's true because we're created anew in Christ Jesus to do good works. So everywhere that we set our feet, the kingdom of God has been brought near to whomever we are near. Because we are created anew, we all have the capacity to believe and to see. And I think that when we hear stories of like Mary, Jesus' mother, remember Jesus' very first miracle, they ran out of wine, she saw the problem, but what did Mary do? She had belief. In her heart, she knew that Jesus could solve the problem, and she knew that Jesus would. That's belief. And we have the capacity to believe God in that same way. We have the capacity to take him at his word and to believe him for every promise that he has made because we are created anew in Christ Jesus. We have the capacity to believe like Mary. We have the capacity to see. You know, when we read about Elisha, remember? He was being chased by an evil king. He's down in the valley, and the word says that the enemy came upon him like a strong force, and he's surrounded by the enemy. And he's with his servant, and the servant's like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And Elisha's like, don't you see? Yeah, I see them. No, no, don't you see? And he prays, and his servant is able to see what Elisha could see. And that is the chariots of fire all around and the angels of the Lord surrounding them. We are created anew in Christ Jesus and we have the capacity to see like Elisha. See, Jesus was teaching his disciples that they were created for good works, that they could believe the Father, and that they could see what the Father was doing. And he chose to teach his disciples this one day. His classroom setting, it was late in the day in a remote place. And they're surrounded by 5,000 plus hungry people. We know it today as the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. <clears> and that's our main text today. If you want to turn to it, it's, you can find it in Matthew 14 starting at verse 13, Matthew chapter 14, starting at verse 13. I'm not going to read it to you, but I am going to summarize it. And this miracle can be found in all four Gospels. 
each gospel, it has just a little different tweak to it. But if you read all four of them, and if you read kind of the context around them, this is what you'll pick up. So Jesus has been going around village to village. He's been preaching, and he's been teaching about the kingdom of his father. And he touches people, and he heals them. He drives out evil spirits. He is also revealing the kingdom of his father. And so one day he takes over the 12 and he commissions them and he, he appoints them and he sends them out with his anointing and he says, as you go, preach and say this, the kingdom of heaven is near. And he gives them his anointing. And he says, heal those who are sick, raise the dead, cleanse them from leprosy and drive out evil spirits. <clears throat> so the 12 go off, and they're doing all these incredible things. The people are hearing about this. It's causing a little bit of a ruckus. They're like, wow. And they keep hearing this name of Jesus, the name of Jesus. And some of them have even seen Jesus, and they've seen what Jesus has done. And it's kind of stirring up excitement in the towns. Now, John the Baptist, he has been imprisoned because... He's been telling Herod and his new wife, Herodias, that their relationship is not holy. It's not godly. So he's been imprisoned. Now, while he is imprisoned, the disciples are doing their thing. Jesus is still preaching and teaching and healing. Herod's like, he's a little nervous, but he doesn't really know what to do. But then the opportune time comes, and John the Baptist is beheaded. But he's hearing all these rumors about these incredible things that are happening. And I just think this is so interesting. The, the activity of the disciples, along with the activity of Jesus, Herod's response is, oh my gosh, John the Baptist, he's been raised from the dead. He's, he's operating as if he was raised from the dead. And I just think this is so interesting that when the disciples who are filled with Jesus' anointing they are operating as one man. And Herod goes, I think John the Baptist has been raised back to life. And I just kind of wonder, you know, when God's people operate with the anointing that we have been given, if maybe we don't operate and we look like one man. Jesus. So the disciples return, and they're telling their stories to Jesus. Meanwhile, Jesus also finds out that John the Baptist has been beheaded. And he's like, guys, let's go. Let's go retreat to a quiet place. Tell me your stories and let's go rest. As they're on their way, the people notice them. They recognize them right away and they are running and they want to keep up with Jesus. It says that Jesus has compassion on them. And he begins to talk to them about the kingdom of God and he heals them. Now, another little interesting note. Never in the Gospels does it ever say that the disciples were filled with compassion. <laughs> it always says that Jesus was filled with compassion. And I wonder if the reason for that is the person of compassion was with them and not in them. But for you and I, the person of compassion fills us. And when we see the kinds of things that Jesus saw, we are spurred with compassion, and we have the power to do something about it.
So he's teaching them. It gets late, and it gets even later, and even later, and Jesus is busy doing Jesus' thing. He's teaching, he's touching, and people are getting healed. And the disciples go, Jesus, it's awful late. Don't you think you should send these people away? You know, there aren't even towns around, Jesus, for them to go buy something. We better hurry up and give them some time to get going so they can at least get to town at some hour to get themselves some food. I wonder if they're thinking they're doing a really good thing. You know, come on, Jesus, wrap it up. Send them off so they can eat. But Jesus turns to them and says, I love this. He says, they don't need to go. You feed them. I don't know about you, but... I get a little nervous when I have five hungry people in my house, and I haven't planned yet what I was going to make for dinner. There are 5,000-plus hungry people in the middle of nowhere, and Jesus says, you feed them. They don't have to go. You feed them. Of course, they're all flabbergasted, and they don't know. What? It would take like eight months' wages to buy enough food for all these people just to have one bite. Do you want us to go do that? And Jesus says... How many loaves do you have? Go and see. So they go, they come back. Well, we only have five, you know, loaves of bread and two fishes. Give them to me, Jesus says. And he looks up to heaven and he holds those breads and fishes and he thanks the Lord God for them. And that word he gives thanks, it actually means eulogio in Greek. And it means to speak well of. So see, Jesus had just taught the disciples, my father knows what you need, and he provides perfectly. And so when he held up those things to the father, he said, this is good, father. What you have provided, this is good. And I think that what Jesus was teaching his disciples was, the father provides Perfectly. See, the father knew that there would be 5,000 plus hungry people that night in a remote place in the increasing darkness. And he knew that five loaves of fish, or five loaves of bread and two fishes would be enough. He knew it would be enough. Because those things in the hands of his son produced plenty. So Jesus breaks the bread and the fish. And he does an interesting thing. He hands those pieces to his disciples to hand to the people. He could have easily just said a word and that food just dropped right into the laps of 5,000 hungry people without any usage of the disciples at all. He could have done that, right? But he didn't because he's teaching the disciples that they are created to do good works. He didn't expect them, I don't believe. I don't believe he expected them to just produce food out of thin air because only he is the creator. But he did expect them to go, oh my gosh, there's so much here, God. How am I going to do this? And he knew that would provide an opportunity for him to say, what do you have? Go and see and bring it to me. Now, after the people ate, it says they had more than they needed. They were so satisfied. And Jesus said, go around and pick up the leftovers. And they picked up 12 baskets full of leftover bread and fish. 
Sometime after that, Jesus was also teaching again, and he said, I am the bread of life. And he did challenge his followers and said, you know, you've come to me before because you were hungry, but I am the bread of life, and anyone who comes and eats of me will never be hungry again. So that's the feeding of the 5,000 with some context. How does that apply to us today? I believe that Jesus is teaching us the same things that he taught his disciples, and he is teaching us through his Holy Spirit. I mentioned earlier the phrase, obey the nudge. See, I think when we feel that little nudge, we feel it when we see something or we see people and we're filled with compassion, right? And what's our very first response? It's too much. What, what am I going to do here? I'm just one person. What do I possibly have? But the nudge says, you feed them. They don't need to go away. You feed them. And it drives us to that same place that the disciples were driven to. I, what? I can't do this. And then Jesus asks us the same question. What do you have? What has the Father provided? Bring it to me. and when we bring it to him and he blesses it, it becomes enough for whatever situation we find ourselves into. But, you know, I think obeying the nudge is a lot like exercising our muscles. You know, the more we just try it, the more we'll learn to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit, the more it increases our belief Remember, I said we have the capacity for great belief. But when we obey those nudges, it increases our belief. When I obey the nudge and when you obey the nudge, it increases our vision to see what the Father has provided. And it it allows us to see what the Father is doing so that we can effectively join in on the family business, undo the works of the enemy, and draw the kingdom of God near. I want to just give some examples of times when I have tried to obey the nudge. And I want you to know that every single one of us who are redeemed followers of Jesus Christ could come up and testify as to a time when they have obeyed the nudge. And it went really well and you were amazed. And it didn't go so well and you were like, I don't know. Maybe I screwed that one up. We could all testify, and I bet if we all did, we would all walk out of here so inspired. So my story is just a story. It's just my testimony, but you have them too. So one day I was going through a drive through at McDonald's, which is kind of a funny thing because I am a registered pediatric dietitian, and we don't eat McDonald's let alone with your children. So I had one of my children, and he was asking for a McDonald's hamburger. And I thought, oh my gosh, whose kid are you? So, you know, I'm a good mommy, and I decided to take him. But I'm also directionally challenged, and so I didn't know where the nearest McDonald's was. I just kind of could see the arches, but I really couldn't tell where those arches were on the face of this earth. So I plugged in somewhere on my GPS, McDonald's near me. I just went... And I pulled into the the drive-thru, I placed my order, and I felt this little nudge. Now, I was just, you know, I'm just new in this thing, 
just like you. And I'm just trying to work this thing out. And I don't really know, but I feel something. Something in me is stirring when I hear this woman's voice. And I go around to pay. And I can feel it so badly. And I can hear the Lord say, tell her she is significant. And I was like, um... I'm a little nervous, God. I don't think that's, maybe that's just me. I don't know. Um, You know, and I don't do that kind of thing. I haven't done that kind of thing, you know, God. So, um, you know, I don't know. Somebody else is behind me in the drive-thru. I think you could just use them. I pay. I get my food. I pull into the parking lot. Oh, my gosh. You know when that nudge just won't go away? It just seems to bug you and bug you Um, like a like a rash or something. And so I opened up my bag. Lo and behold, I didn't get my whole order. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I don't need to eat McDonald's. I'll just give it to Gabe. I clearly heard the Lord say, if you obey me, it will not cost you anything. And isn't that what we're so afraid of? What it's going to cost us? It's going to cost me, you know, looking okay. It might cost me money. It might cost me time. It might cost me a personal investment. But I think, honestly, the most painful thing I think that you and I are afraid it's going to cost us is how it's going to make me look, how it's going to make me feel. So I was like, okay, God, I'll go. So I went back, placed my order, got to the window again, and I just said, I don't mean to sound like a fruitcake, but I just wanted to tell you, that I believe God wants you to know that you are significant. Floodgates opened up. She is sobbing, and she's like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, I'm having such a hard time. I really didn't think God heard me when I cried out to him. And so we prayed, and we talked, and she even said something like, I've got coworkers who've been telling me I should come to church, that I should go to church. I was like, well, yeah. And I said, you know what? God wants to speak to you directly. He's okay with this kind of interaction for a while, but, you know, he would really like to speak to you personally. And the only way that's going to happen is if you ask Jesus to be, to be your Savior. Well, I can't testify that she asked Jesus to be her Savior that day, but I tried. I obeyed the nudge, and the rest is in the Father's hands. You know, Sometimes when we um, hear his voice, it takes a little while for us to really discern that that's who I heard. Remember, I have got the person of compassion living in me. We can be stirred to compassion. Maybe it wasn't quite the Lord's voice that said, go do that. But I was stirred to compassion. And there's only one way to really um, strengthen that muscle. It's just to use it. So this was soon after the McDonald's thing, and I might have just been a little like, let's do that again. So um, I was in Target, and I saw this guy, and I was like, I think you want to say something to him, God. What do you want to say to him? He's significant. Is he significant too? Yes, of course he's significant. Is that what you want to say to him? Well, no, that's not it. Can't be a repeat. It's got to be a fresh word. Okay, I think I got it. So I went up to him, and I was like, hey, I, um, I think God wants to say this thing to you, and I blah, blah, blah. I don't know what it was. Um, and he was like, okay. It just didn't have the same effect, you know? It just like, ding, ping, dry it off of him. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Well, maybe I didn't quite hear that one right. 
Okay, next time I go in the Target, I'll just look like the crazy woman. Fine, fine. I really don't know where that one went. But hey, I felt a nudge, and I obeyed it. And I, I'm kind of learning, like, okay, maybe that wasn't quite the Holy Spirit nudge. But we just won't know unless we just try it, right? So I just tried it. Sometimes, you know, when we get into a situation, we just don't know what we have to give. Right? Have you been there? I just don't know what I have. And I think that what we can pull out of the story of the feeding of the 5,000 are those 12 leftover baskets. Because sometimes I, I don't know that I have anything but the bread of life to give away. One day when I was um, going to Walmart, see, I've been really thinking about this a lot, this whole kingdom of God thing, and that I'm an ambassador of Christ, and that everywhere I go, I take the kingdom of God with me. I've been really chewing on that for a while. And it occurred to me one day, like, oh my gosh, I'm in Walmart. Lord, the kingdom, your kingdom has drawn near to the people in Walmart. So I'm walking through the produce aisle, and I'm like, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do here? What do you want to do here? You're welcome to use me. And I went through all through the store, nothing happened. I'm at the checkout lane. And I start to hear this whiny little two-year-old. You know that sound. Whiny little two-year-old crying, crying. And mama was not listening. And, you know, everyone else around her was kind of like, would somebody please take care of that kid? You know that feeling, right? I was there feeling that. And so... All of a sudden, when that baby screamed out, Mommy, like calling, Mommy, I need your attention. Would you care for me? And all of a sudden, I was so stirred to compassion. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what's happening over there? And I tried to see, and I couldn't really get a good look, but I could sense the longer I stood in my aisle checking out, I could sense that that mother was having a hard time checking out. And I looked and I saw that she was carrying one little baby on her hip. There was one in the basket. And like, you know, she's having a hard time swiping out and getting everything done. And there's a line behind her. And I could just feel it. Like I've been in that place before where you're feeling really stressed out. And you're like, oh my gosh, you know, you're breaking a sweat and this thing isn't working. The baby's crying. Here, take my credit card, chew on it. You know, like you're just trying to like, you know, get through this thing. And the people behind you can tell they're getting really huffy. And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to blow my top. I just need to get out of here. And that's the way she was. And I, could, I just knew it. I've been there before. And I, so I started praying. I was like, Lord, what, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I, I, I hold the baby for her? Well, that's a little weird. Um, let me see. Um, you know, I bag the groceries. No, that's, that's, someone's already bagging the groceries. What do I have? I got nothing, Lord. And now it's time for me to go. And I start passing her. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, poor thing. And I was like, well, maybe, God, you just want me to pray for her. Okay, I'll pray for her. I'll pray for her. So I'm like praying for her. Lord, help her. And I get out to my car, and I load up. But I just know, I'm feeling that nudge. The Lord wants to do something there. I just don't know what it is. And I get in my car, and I start to drive off, and I look, and there she is. She's, I don't know how she got out of the store that fast, but she all, she's already loaded up, and she's, like, changing a diaper. And I was like, oh, my gosh, there she is. And so I was like, I'm parking. I park. I get out. I still don't know what in the world I'm going to say to her. I walk up to her, and I just open my mouth, and out came. That was really hard, wasn't it? 
Oh, it really was. She starts crying. I just want to get out of there so bad. I said, oh, I know, I've been there before. But let me tell you, you set for your boys a strong example of self-control. She just started crying even more. She just was so blessed by that, so blessed by that. What did I give her? I just gave her a basket of leftovers. I just gave her a basket of leftovers. How you have been comforted, you comfort others. I just gave her bread of life. I didn't have anything else useful for her but just to give her some bread of life. You know, sometimes our, our good works seem like such little things, like a few loaves of little, little loaves of bread and a couple of fish. But see, the kingdom of God is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all throughout the dough. And see, you and I, we are created anew in Christ Jesus to do good works, which were prepared in advance for us to do. And I wonder what would happen if all of us collectively just decided to try to obey the nudge, work in that yeast. It's okay if we get it wrong. It's okay if it's not perfect. It's okay if it wasn't the Holy Spirit 100% of the time. That perhaps we would move like one man and we would look like Jesus. See, the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. And we participate when we believe that the kingdom lives in us and we bring it near. When we see with spiritual eyes and when we obey the nudge to bring God's light into dark places. We can gain greater precision in our ministry. And Jesus set the perfect example. See, he invested in his relationship with his father. And when we invest in that relationship through reading his word, and I don't mean, you know, da, 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 up, done, but read his word, gain the heart of the Father. When we invest in listening to the, to the Lord, you, you know, we're prayers here at New River. We love to pray. And the Father loves to hear our voice. But I think the Father's voice is quite lovely. And we need to listen to what's on his heart. And the more we listen to what's on his heart, the more our vision is improved. We'll be able to see better what he is doing. And we need to keep ourselves clean. Forgiveness, unforgiveness, is a huge blockage to being able to hear well and seeing well. I have plenty of stories I could tell about my own unforgiveness and how that has blocked things up. So investing in our relationship and keeping ourselves clean. And we can have greater precision in our ministry. Remember that Jesus' greatest priority was to please his Father. And that can be our greatest priority too. Sometimes... We have the privilege and the joy of learning what our little obeying the nudge did for someone else. And I have this testimony to read to you. This is not written to me. This is really written to you. Um, Because this person has enjoyed your company. And this is what this person wrote. I woke up refreshed with a refreshed spirit and a focus I haven't felt in years 
The prayers, kind words, and smiles that I felt has truly impacted me and has helped me to laser in on bringing a few dreams to fruition. From the bottom of my heart, I thank you because you have helped me in ways you cannot even imagine. But then again, God may have shown you something which propelled you into action on my behalf. Either way, I am grateful, humbled, and ready to let the Lord use me. That is a letter written to you, my friends, because this person was in your company, and you obeyed the nudge, and you spoke, and you reached out to this person, and look what it did. This person woke up refreshed. This person woke up with greater vision. This person woke up to dreams that the Lord has put in this person's heart, and this person is ready to move in ways that they weren't before. See, there is no higher worship than to do the things that Jesus was doing, which is bringing the kingdom of God near. And we have the capacity for great belief and for very good vision. And wherever you go, you bring the kingdom of God near to those around you. So I hope that collectively the Holy Spirit inspires us today to obey his nudges. Just give it a try and see what happens. Bud, I'm going to ask you to come up and give us a closing word and an altar call.